Welcome to the Colonial Church STA podcast. My name is Pastor Matt McClory. I'm so glad you could take the time to listen to this message. Luke chapter 2 and Luke chapter 1, we looked at the path that, that took place that Mary and Joseph went on to get to the promise. And it's so cool just to look at it and dissect it as a church and consider all that took place. But I love it because it really is a promise that started a lot longer before Mary came about a lot longer before Mary showed up on the scene. It was actually a promise that God spoke to David called the Davidic Covenant. And he spoke specifically to David and he said, I will establish your throne forever. I will establish and make your name great. And from your line, from the line of David, I will send the answer. And I love that that's what we are celebrating today is the answer actually came. And it's really, really cool. So we've been on this little path. Part uh, part one of Path to Promise was God's promise, our invitation, that ultimately the promises of God for our lives, when they come to us, they're really just one big, beautiful, incredible invitation wrapped up, handed to us to play a part in God's amazing plan. Amen? That's what God's promises are, whether it's to bless you, whether it's to, to give you something, whether it's to heal you, whether it's to bring something into your life that's greater than anything you've ever, that's God's promise for your life. But what that really is, is an invitation for us to play a small part in the grand plan that God has. We talked about that that Greek word, boule, plan, which literally means that he's moving every circumstance, even natural circumstances into place so they fit according to his will. That's your life. It's amazing. He moves everything so every sequence responds to his amazing will. So ultimately, God gets the glory, not us. Amen. Part two, God's promise, our pursuit was all about getting on the path. It says in scripture that Mary hurried towards Elizabeth. It says says that uh, Joseph made plans and went. And I think sometimes in life, when it comes to our promises, we just need to make a move. We just need to get on our way. We just need to do something. And I love that. God's promise, our pursuit. Part three, last week, God's promise, our response. Anyone love doing church at the parlor room last week? That was really fun. If you weren't there, we just, we couldn't be here for a Sunday because we're a portable church and we're super spiritual and very flexible. We went up the road to to San Marco Avenue to the parlor room, a new venue for us. We just wanted to check it out. But it was incredible. It was so much fun. And the Spirit was moving, and I just thought Jill's message last weekend was so powerful about God's response, sorry, our response to God's promise and how the shepherds, they had to respond out of faith. And I love that point that she made about the unexpected. Ultimately, we're the unexpected, that God would even use us, which is pretty cool. And so today, this week, Christmas, Christmas Eve, Luke chapter 2, we're going to read about the final moment of the promise, the final moment that we see it all take place and all go down in Luke chapter 2. I'm going to read it. Verse 1 says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinus was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David. Remember, we talked about the Davidic covenant. It's important that he went to the town of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. 
While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. It's also very important. Jesus was the firstborn. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And it goes on and it talks about an amazing event that took place. And it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring good news of great joy. Great joy. That will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you this morning, Father, for the power of your word. God, we just thank you that it has the ability to change our lives, Lord, as we open it, as we read it, as we digest it, Father, as we take it in. God, I just pray that there would be revelation in people's hearts this morning. Holy Spirit, we say you're welcome in this place. God, we just ask for just a unique understanding, just something different, something fresh, Lord, from your word today, God. Help it to be your words, not my words, in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. You ever been given an ultimatum in life? Ever been given an ultimatum where someone says to you, you got to choose? It's got to be this or it's got to be that? you got to choose this or you got to choose that? I've got to choose whether or not I'm going to keep preaching with this rug underneath my feet. <laughs> That's my ultimatum right now. I feel like I'm going to trip. Let me just fix it right here. Let me do a little housekeeping right there. You can tell that I did not put this there. It is festive. You get given an ultimatum to do one thing or choose another, to go this way or to go that way, that old saying, my way or the highway. So often in life, it has to be one or the other. One or the other. Maybe a fork in the road moment comes and the answer is found in one way or the other way. Sometimes it means you've got to say goodbye to one path to be able to access the new path or to go the new way you have and leave the old way behind. See, in the Bible, in the Old Testament, it was one or the other. It was either a king, a ruler, a judge, a leader. That was the person that provided the answer. Or there was a divine answer. Divinity came in. If you didn't serve the one God, the one true God of Israel, and you were a pagan and you had many gods, maybe you looked to that God for the answer. But it was always one or the other a natural answer or a divine answer. Either the answer came from up above or from down below. Maybe it was even the past that would speak to the future and say, that's your answer. But what we're celebrating today, and let's just call it today, it's Sunday. I know it's Christmas Eve, but let's just say we're celebrating the birth of Jesus today. But it's this, the most amazing Incredible thing to me is that all of society, all of history looks to Jesus. All of time is separated by the moment that we celebrate today. It's all separated, BC, AD. The whole world looks at it. The whole world responds to it every single day. We live that way. But the most amazing, incredible thing about Christmas to me 
And this miracle promise to me is that the promise came as a child and as God. Jesus was fully God and fully man. In John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh, and listen to it, and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, glory as the only begotten Son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Colossians 2 and verse 9 says, For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Fully God, fully man. So it wasn't a natural king necessarily on its own. Jesus obviously was a king. But it wasn't just a natural king or a divine answer. See, with Jesus this morning, and I want us to get this this morning, church, it's with Jesus, it wasn't one or the other, it was both. It was both. A natural king and a divine answer. He was both. He was man and he was God. He was a carpenter and he was a savior. He was a savior and he was a friend. He was real, but he was out of this world. He was different. Am I preaching this morning to anyone? God and man. But I think it's also important for us to understand today that we recognize what we celebrate is a promise that was foretold over 700 years before Jesus was ever born. It's the theological messianic truth about Jesus. And we read about it and hopefully every church in this city preaches, the pastor preaches from Isaiah chapter 9 this morning. But in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, it says this, For, for to us a child is born, child, and, and to us a son is given. See, a lot of people will skim over that and say, well, yeah, I get what you're saying, child, son, son of a father, young person. I get it, child, son. I get it. No, 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 no. There's messianic and theo- theological truth to that that we need to digest. We need to understand it was a child that was born to us. So it came as a natural answer. It was a child, human form, flesh. But it says, and a son was given. But that's important for us to understand. He was the son of man. The Son of God, God's own Son, a Son would be given and the government would rest on His shoulders and He would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So for us, a child is born representing the human, representing the natural, representing the normal. And unto us, a Son is given representing the miracle, the answer, the line of David, Representing divinity, God's own son, the supernatural at work in our lives, the heavenly, the divine answer. Jesus was and is not one or the other. He's both. Isn't that an amazing truth this morning, church? That's what we celebrate. So, so many people, I find, they go on one side or they go to the other side. They go to the natural side of Jesus and they say, yeah, Jesus is my friend. They sing the songs, he's close. Jesus is my friend, and then they live their lives like they don't have a king. They live their lives like they don't have a savior. They understand that element. And then there's the people that, I guess, are on the religious side. And the religious side is, yeah, there's a king. There's a distant king called Jesus that's far away from me. But I think what God wants us to understand this morning, he's not only your king, not only is he your savior, but he's also your friend. He's also your friend. He wants to do life with you. He wants to be on your level. My first thought this morning 
If you're taking notes, God's promise, our miracle, point number one is this, it was a natural reality. What took place was a natural reality. A child was born. He came to us as a human child. There was humanness to our Savior. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14 spoke of the confirmation of this when the author of Hebrews said it like this. He said, since the children have flesh and blood, speaking of the people of Israel, he was obviously speaking to God's people. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. His humanness is important. His humanness is important for us to understand. It was a natural reality that Jesus existed. Why? Because he understands. He understands. God was on your level. Jesus came to be on your level. And he was the same God, the same son that the prophet talked about when he described him over 700 years prior. Because he says this, he says, he will be called, and he describes him as a wonderful counselor. A wonderful counselor. And a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the Greek word parakletos, which is the same word that we use for the spirit. The spirit of God comes from the same root word in the Greek. But listen to it. It describes his role as a helper, an encourager, an advocate, a counselor. And I love that idea because when we think about getting around someone who wants to give us counsel, counsel is obviously invited. We go and meet with a counselor. We go and see someone who gives us counsel. It's someone that I can talk with. It's someone that I can share with. It's someone that I can do my life with. I can talk about what's going on in my life. That's what God wants to be to you, friend. He wants to be the natural reality where you can share your life with him. How awesome is that? What an amazing reality for us to live with today. Wonderful counselor. You can talk, confide, share. I feel like God expressed himself through Jesus. He expressed himself, his heart, who he is to us through Jesus. He wanted to say, I want to make it personal with you. I want to make it personal to your life. See, Jesus was normal. Jesus wasn't weird. He wasn't weird. Jesus was a normal person. Yes, he was king, but he was normal. There was normality to Jesus. Just last night, I was thinking about this message, and I was standing at the end of my bed, and Jill and I were standing there, and I was, I was putting these socks together. I had single socks everywhere. Does anyone else have the single sock problem that I have? I feel like I'm the single sock king. I can never get them to match. And I'm standing there at the end of my bed. I'm preaching tomorrow morning. I've got all this stuff going through my head, and I'm mixing my socks up. And I felt very normal. I felt like in that moment, that was normalness. I felt like, how normal is this? This is so normal. I'm trying to match up my socks. But I was thinking about this, and God wants us to understand that Jesus also was normal. But he had to be normal to understand us. He had to be normal to relate to us. He had to be normal to get on our level. There was normality to Jesus. He worked. He had a childhood. He learned to do things. He learned to do probably the same things that we learned to do at some time or another. There was normality to him. He completed tasks. He had to be responsible over things. And yes, he was a son of God. I'm pretty sure he got an A plus on everything. But there was normality attached to Jesus being born 
which speaks to us today. Is this making sense to anyone this morning? It makes sense to me, but sometimes I live in my own world. So He did all the things that we sometimes do. In a sense, he was a natural reality to us. He was understanding of emotions. In Isaiah 53 and verse 3, says he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering, familiar with pain. In the New King James, it says he was acquainted with grief, the man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He understands. That's why it's important for us to know that there's a natural reality attached to our Christianity. There's a naturalness, a normality to it. I love this. I love the fact that Jesus conversed with people. He conversed with people. There would be conversation that would take place. And we see some of it in the Gospels. The Samaritan woman, someone he should never have been talking to. But there was a seemingly normal conversation that took place. And obviously there was revelation and truth all through that conversation. But I find it fascinating that he conversed with people. You know, there's an art form to talking to people. Some people just think, well, I'm just going to talk the way I talk. But there's actually an art form to it. And art forms, you, you share something and then you wait a moment and then they share something back to you and that causes you to think and then you share something hopefully good as well with them and there's a back and forth. You converse with someone. And that's why we get to that place where we say, yeah, no, I get along well with that person. Or I feel like we had a good conversation with that person. I get along well with that person. And I love that the, the normality of Jesus was that he conversed with people. He got on people's levels. He had conversation with people. The other thing too is crazy is that Jesus can deal with your idiosyncrasies. He can deal with your idiosyncrasies, which the definition of talks about having a peculiar personality. And obviously no one here has a peculiar personality. We're all very normal, put together, normal people. But the characteristics of people, special attributes, the uniqueness one-of-a-kind personalities. Jesus could identify with that person, and he still can today. He can deal with your weirdness. He can deal with what you struggle with. He can deal with your peculiar personality. What a miracle today. He can deal with my weird accent. Even though we all know in heaven they speak Australian. (laughs) I had to. I just had to go. It It was too easy. It was too easy. But Jesus can deal with whatever we have going on. He would and he could and he still can relate to you today. He can relate. Jesus could talk to people. He was God on our level. He was able and is able to this day still to be able to relate to people. What a miracle that is. It wasn't a one and done type promise. It wasn't just like something just dropped from the sky, packaged from the sky. Here you go, here's the answer. And then God's just peacing out. He gave us a Savior. And through the Savior, we get the Holy Spirit. We get this relational side to God every day. And I would just love to encourage you, if you come in here today and you don't know what I'm talking about, can I just encourage you? God wants to get on your level. He wants to be in your life. He wants to talk to you. And that's why we pray, because we want to talk to God and we want to speak to him. And Jesus could talk to us. So the first point is, there was a natural reality attached to that promise. The second point is this, it was a supernatural miracle. So there was the natural answer 
And then there was the divine answer. What took place over 2,000 years ago was a total game changer because God became a man. But not just any man, the Son of Man, the Son of God, God the Son. For unto us a Son is given. And that Son is the only way that we could be redeemed. A child is born, a Son is given, fully God and fully man, the Son of Man, the hope of the world, the perfect answer and the perfect sacrifice for us. I just love that it wasn't one or the other. It was both. It didn't have to be one or the other. It's not like God came down and said, okay, here you go. Here's the fork in the road. Here's the bit where you either say you're in or you're out. You can go this way. You can go that way. You can have this Savior. You can have this type of Savior. No, we get both. We got the flesh. We got the normality. We got the reality of having Jesus walk the earth, converse with people, do miracles, see amazing things come to pass, fulfill the promise, fulfill the, what the prophet said he would do to show us the way to get on our level, but then also to be the divine answer that we needed. Amen? John chapter 1 and verse 29, talking about who he was, says the next day John, it's obviously John the Baptist, says he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look. And I read that and I'm so, I love that because it tells you there were many people around. There were many people surrounding John at that time. And he said, look, behold, here he comes. The one that we've been looking for, the one that we want, the one that we've been anticipating in our own lives. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was the perfect answer for the world. You know, there's a trap today. There's a trap today because we should never, ever, ever for a moment, question the supremacy of Christ in our lives. We should never, ever, ever question it. But there's a trap today, especially amongst young people. There's a trap. And it's this, I call it the exploration trap that young people are facing this day, which is like, well, why don't you just explore the options? Why don't you just explore the options that are out there? We live in a day and age where, let's be honest, social media, websites, Online, even travel is so much easier. You can Skype, you can FaceTime, you can do all kinds of stuff. You can, you can, do, you can communicate so quickly. You've got options. There are options available to you. So when it comes to your faith in Christ, why don't you just consider the options first? Why don't you just consider the options that are available to you before you make a decision for Christ? But that's a trap. It's exactly what the enemy wants us to think. He wants us to doubt. He wants us to call into question the supremacy of Christ. Am I speaking to anyone this morning? There's this trap out there. Explore what's out there. Why don't you just explore the options? Young people, why don't you just head out into the desert and go to a festival and explore yourself? Why don't you just go explore yourself? Can I encourage you? I spent 18 years exploring myself. I don't want to explore myself anymore. I know that without Jesus, I don't want to do any, any more exploration. I don't want to do any more. I don't want to know anymore. I want Jesus to live on the inside of me. I don't want to explore. I want Jesus to be supreme in my life. Jesus dealt with this matter in Mark chapter 8. He declared it to, to, to Peter, but also to the disciples in Mark 8, verse 27. It said, Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, 
Who do people say I am? Who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But he says this, and this is the greatest question anyone could ever ask you. But what about you? He says to Peter, what about you? He says, yeah, you've told me what other people say. You've given me the consensus view. You've told me what's going on out there. But then he brings it to the personal. He brings it to the one-on-one. He speaks directly to Peter. He probably looked him in the eye and he said, what about you? What about you? Who do you say I am? And Peter answered, you are the Messiah. And Jesus warned them not to tell anyone. But the hard-hitting part of that passage is this. What about you? What about you? The deity, the godliness of Christ who is never to be questioned. What about you? In Colossians 2, I said it before. It's worth repeating. For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in the bodily form, the natural reality and the spiritual answer, Jesus. See, today we live in a world where it just wants to push the idea of Jesus being the Messiah to the side. Just push it to the side. Or maybe it's a shelf somewhere in your house and you box up your Christianity, you box up the fact that you believe Jesus exists or you believe that possibly he's the Messiah, but the world we live in today wants you to put all that in a box and put it on the shelf and go about your life. When trouble comes, maybe you'll inch a little closer to the shelf, maybe glance at it, maybe maybe you experience a little loss. Like I have many times I've experienced loss, but I thank God I had a relationship with Jesus and I didn't have a box on a shelf. I was able to go to Jesus who is my friend and my savior and also my king. I didn't have to go to a box and look at a a bunch of rules or look at some things that maybe were and pull it off the shelf and glance at it and put it back on, make make myself feel better about myself. You can go straight to the source today. You can have a relationship with Jesus today. He can be the author and the finisher of your faith. Religion versus relationship is what Christmas is all about. God gave us relationship. So the key takeaway at the end of the miracle, sorry, the end of the path, which is the miracle, is it was fully God and fully man. A natural reality, but a supernatural answer. Team, you can come back up. Fully able to identify with our issues. Isaiah 53. He was a man of sorrows, fully acquainted with grief. Think about that for a moment. Christmas time. Christmas is so much fun. It's all about family. It's all about getting people together. It's all about giving gifts. It's all about coming to church as a family. It's all about all those amazing things. But to be honest, Christmas for a lot of people represents a bit of hurt. Represents maybe a tough time. Represents something that happened maybe seasons ago that still lives with us today. Maybe it's a loss. For a lot of people, it's a loss. You go to Christmas and someone's just not there anymore. And it hurts. It hurts on the inside. But here in Isaiah 53, it says, man of sorrows, this is Jesus. This is our Savior. It says, fully acquainted with grief. He understands. He's on our level. He's relational. And he wants to relate to you this morning. So he's fully man but he was fully God, 
fully able to save, fully able to make reconciliation available, fully able to take our hand and bring it to the hand of God, to match us up with the person, the God who created us. Fully able to save, fully able to reconcile, fully able to redeem, fully able to heal. Listen to me, friend, fully able to restore. Fully able to restore that which has been taken from you. That's what Christmas can be about. Christmas doesn't have to be a day where we just go to something and we wish it was over and we just move on to the next day, try to get it behind us. But Christmas can be the moment where you say to Jesus, restore me, restore my life. Fully able to restore, fully able to reconcile, and fully able to be your God. You received that word this morning. Would you stand with me? Couldn't go anymore without worshiping Jesus a little longer. Taking just a little bit more time. Sing these Christmas songs, but ultimately what we're doing is we're just giving praise and honor and glory to God. But I wonder where you find yourself. Can I encourage you today? If you've experienced that loss, and Christmas is a tough time, why don't you just open your heart today? We're going to sing. Just open your heart up to the God who can restore, the God who can save, the God who loves you. Come on, let's sing one more time. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Thank you for listening to this message. We pray it bless you greatly. Please visit us at www.colonialchurch.life for more.